Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 151, and we are recording on Monday, April 17th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you? Please tell me that it is not <laughs> snowing in your neck of the woods. It is not. It is a beautiful 70-something degree day here. The corgis are frapping. The birds are singing. It is... It's a great time, but we all are are dying from pollen, but otherwise it is beautiful. (laughs) I was going to say, okay, I retract the question. I feel bad now. No, no, the, yeah, we had gorgeous weather last week in the Chicagoland Midwest area. Like last week, picture perfect. And today it's, there was snow on the ground when I woke up and it's going to get up to 70 in a couple days. So I'm like, okay, it's not long lasting. We always get some snow in April. I believe I won my bet with my husband. because, Well, technically, we were wondering if there was going to be... Now that baseball season has started, we were... He, he was arguing with me that the Cubs are not going to have a game snowed out this year. And he was like, why would you think that? I'm like, there's always a game that's snowed out. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, it always snows in April. So I think... I can't remember what the over-under was or like, okay... Uh, you know, he was, I think he may have said like later in April, so, all right, we'll get snow on like April 25th or something. And so I'm pretty sure whatever the terms of our bet were, I won. Um, because I'm like, look, it is, there's definitely snow on the ground out there. So anyways, you can tell I'm very cranky about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <sighs> Except it's not. <laughs> we always had snow in March in Ohio. So you're a bit farther north. So it makes sense. But yeah, here here in South Carolina, we just our weather is pollen, humidity and pollen. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair, pollen gets pretty nasty in the Midwest. Like I feel like like especially Chicago, like people who don't live in Chicago, they might, "Oh, you're making it up." But then they, if they're here during the winter or the summer or during pollen season, they're like, "Oh yeah. Oh no, it's really bad." <laughs> so, give it a couple weeks, we'll be in full-blown pollen season and everyone will be hating the outdoors, but <laughs> just right now, I just, I'm like, okay, can we just please get it above 50? Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm asking for much. Um, Yeah. And the warmer weather last week was just, I was like, why do I have to work? Like it should, it should be a federal crime to have work be required on a day like that. (laughs) Wanted to pull a Ferris Bueller, but I didn't. You know, you got to take one for the team. I know. It was the problem is that the best day out of the bunch was the one day that I have to work one day each week that I have to work late at the library. So everyone, all the patrons are coming in. They're like, oh, make sure you get a chance to go outside. And I'm like, I can't because people keep coming into the library like you. Glad you're enjoying the weather. I didn't actually say all that. It was just in my head. But yeah. Oh, better weather, better weather. (laughs) It's coming. Well, um, maybe if there continues to be a little cold weather, you'll have time to read in front of your faux fireplace that's playing on Netflix or <laughs> or something like that's what I've been doing. We light a candle <laughs> in the living room sometimes. <laughs> Does that count? I am always have um, the little fireplace things on Netflix up if I want to just have something on in the background. It's really nice. And Gwen loves to watch TV for whatever unknown reason. And so she'll sit on the couch with me and watch the, the fire and I listen to whatever audiobooks. I've been on a nonfiction kick recently, so just going through that, playing um Story of Seasons 
farming it up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My problem is that I've been, well, I've, I've been hooked by, I've been hooked by the uh, Horizon video game series that my husband got me hooked on. But yeah, it's, it's bad. And it's the, I mean, the game is amazing, but it's bad how much time I've invested in playing this game. And it's the type of game that like, if it were, if it were mindless, I would totally be listening to an audiobook and, and like multitasking, but it's not. And so I feel bad that I'm wasting, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should be reading. Not sitting in front of the TV for hours, but I'm like, but it's so fun. And you can kill metal robot dinosaurs. <laughs> well, when Zelda Tears of the Kingdom comes out, you can reverse roles and you can commiserate with me <laughs> as I play that game forever and always. I pre-ordered it for my birthday. <laughs> my birthday is on May 1st. So I was like, that's all I want for my birthday mm-hmm. is Zelda. And so I got Zelda and Pikmin, which comes out later this summer. So... We can talk about that then. But yes, that's my, those are my summer plans. Picking a class and I'm playing video games and I'm playing with my new niece who comes in May. So there you go. All very excited. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, while we wait for the, for the video game season to hit, um, have you, have you been, been reading anything crime related recently? I know you meant, you just mentioned nonfiction, but any, any true crime stuff in that area? Yes. So I picked up Liliana's Invincible Summer, A Sister's Search for Justice by Christina Rivera Garza. And it it, it went past my radar when it first came out. I guess it only came out on April 1st. So it wasn't that long ago. But I don't know what it was. I didn't pick it up earlier. I had an early copy or something. Anyway, I'm so glad I picked it up because it is stunning. It is a memoir from a woman whose sister was killed in 1990, in the summer of 1990. So for, you know, over like 30 years, she's been searching for justice for her sister. So she goes back to Mexico City where her sister was attending university and where she was murdered and looks for the file for her sister. Now, what's interesting is she goes into like how femicide became a very, a particular crime after her sister was murdered. So like it was filed under a different name, under a different crime name and like all this stuff. So she goes through all these logistics and basically they lost the file, right? It's gone. She can't find it. So what she ends up doing is going back, retracing her sister's steps and in a sense creating a file herself for her sister to kind of bear witness to her sister's life. And so that's what you're reading. You're reading this series of interviews she does of like research and all this stuff where she kind of paints a picture of her sister's life leading up to when she was murdered. Wow. It is so good, Katie. I I went into it knowing nothing. I just picked it up for, for a different job. And I was like, okay, this sounds good. I'll, I'll read it for this thing. And it is it might be my favorite book of the month. It is it is so good. Wow. Yeah, that I mean I sh- I shouldn't have sounded surprised when you said before you said you they had lost the file cuz I'm like I have a feeling I know where this is going and just be- it just seems like every time there's like a deep dive into a into a true crime case you find out so many ways that the that the investigating party has just messed everything up. Or whether it's the investigation or the or the record keeping or whatever. So I, yeah, I guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But yeah, no, that's that sounds amazing and really powerful and probably probably hard to read. Yeah, and and the cover. I looked at the different covers for different editions in different languages, and like 
The Spanish language one, I think, has the best cover, but the cover in the U.S. is like, I don't know if this is a photo of her sister or just some random person swimming, but her sister loved to swim, so maybe that's why they did this, but it doesn't look like a true crime novel. Like, I feel like the cover is a little off on the vibe, so, which is why I hadn't really been paying attention to it, because I'm, I guess like most people, kind of, I do judge books by their covers, but if you don't like the cover, don't let it deter you. The inside is, is stunning. Oh, it's so good. So we would recommend it. I can't wait to have a theme where I can talk about it more, but <laughs> we will do it one day. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been reading. Um, have you been, you mentioned that you're playing video games, so. Yeah, I was going to say the, the books that I have read are the ones I'm going to be talking about later in the episode. So I'm not going to say anything about them here. Um, but yeah, my reading has been very limited because yeah, I've been killing robot dinosaurs in a post-apocalyptic Western USA. If anyone, ha if anyone's looking for a video game to get engrossed in, the Horizon games are unbelievable. But anyway, well, this week we also wanted to remind folks of the new deep dive Substack that Book Riot has going on. Um, I always love when Book Riot like does a little more investigative journalism and goes really in on a subject. I'm a huge research fan. I love books and publishing. So this is right up my alley. So if you're looking for a Substack that will be looking at a fascinating set of stories, they'll have informed takes, useful advice, and more from expert in the world of books and reading. And you can subscribe to all of that from Book Riot on bookriot.substack.com. And there is going to be so much extra stuff in the Book Riot Substack. And for $5 a month, you can get this deep dive edition of Book Riot's newsletter in your inbox twice a month. And what, what's really interesting about this is that you can subscribe for free and take a little look and see if that's what you like. And then if you really enjoy what you're seeing, you can subscribe and get even more content, which is something that I love about Substack. I love Substack newsletters. And so I am all here for this. So it will be linked in the show notes and you can go check that out and see all of the great info that uh, Book Riot staff is putting in their new Substack. Oh, for sure. And with that, um, let's go ahead and take a pause for our first sponsor before we jump into the episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right. 
So if you are a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're a new listener, welcome for the first time. We're so delighted to have all of you back with us every two weeks. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we talk about mystery and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just anything that falls under that gigantic umbrella. So whether you're interested in author read-alikes or discussions of subgenres that you maybe haven't explored a ton to award news to movie adaptations, to true crime, news updates, anything along those lines. Um, All of it's fair game for us to talk about on this show. And if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is the point of the episode where we always put out a call to the listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, for things you would like to hear us talk about, or anything along along the, the lines of stuff I've already mentioned. If you have an idea, definitely let us know. We really, truly do take these ideas into account when we plan out our episodes. It really helps us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. Just the win-win setup all around. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us on social media. We're going to have all of that information at the end of the show and in the show notes. So don't worry about getting it down right now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get those creative juices flowing while you listen. And even if you don't have an idea, but just want to say hi, that is also awesome. We love hearing from our listeners. It makes us feel very happy. And if you enjoy this show, definitely hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us because... We are always looking for for new people to to join. This this show has been has been going for for almost six years now, and you know the the sky's the limit here. <laughs> so um, with that, um, we'll jump into our news segment. So if you had not already heard, the big news uh, that happened fairly recently is that Anne Perry, the author, has passed away at age eighty four. And Anne Perry is one of those titans of crime writing. She's written almost, no, she's actually written more than 100 books over the course of her career. So she's been extremely prolific. She's one of the more popular authors that I order for at my library. As soon as I see she has a book coming out, I'm like, all right, add that to, add that one to the list. So a lot of people are mourning that fact, but she also has become well known for her own past. And I know before we started recording, Kendra, I had mentioned, oh, well, are you familiar with what happened or, you know, with what happened when she was a kid? And you said no. And so I'm like, okay. So if you are not familiar, Anne Perry, um, she is actually the inspiration for Peter Jackson's movie from 1994 called Heavenly Creatures. And this is based on a true crime that happened in New Zealand in the 50s with two teenage girls who were best friends where they conspired and murdered one of the the girl's mothers. And this 100% happened. Ann Perry was, she was involved with and convicted of the murder of her friend's mother. And it's, it's become this huge, well, it's become this huge story, but it's also like, well, it pops up at different times. And I know in a a previous episode long ago, 
we did talk about it on the podcast in some context, but but yeah, I mean the I have not seen the movie, but the basic premise is that you have these two friends that just form this really close, some people say almost obsessive friendship. And the the girls' names are Juliet and Pauline. Juliet is actually Anne Perry. That was the name she was born with. Um, if you've seen the movie, it's Kate Winslet's character. And Pauline is her friend who's actually played by Melanie Linsky, which I did not realize. Um, so if you've been watching Yellow Jackets or the, uh, the Last of Us, you are probably familiar with Melanie Linsky. But yeah, so she, so they play the friends and Pauline's mother's planning to move her from New Zealand to South Africa. And so the two of them conspire to murder her to keep Pauline where she is because they don't, because they don't want to be separated. And yeah, so this, they happened when they were 15 and 16 and it really sent shockwaves through the community and they pled not guilty, but were found were convicted of the murder. And Anne Perry, she uh, served time in prison. I'm not sure exactly how long. And then when she got out of prison, she left and changed her name and started this new career, or started a career because at that point she would have been, you know, a, a brand new adult basically. And then when the movie came out, so this she started writing in like the late 70s. Um, and the movie came out in 1994. So when this happened, she was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, this world that I've created, you know, it's been, you know, it's about to be upended. So she did talk to the media about about this before there was, yeah, there was a biography called The Search for Ann Perry that talked about it. Yeah, so this has been a huge part of her not her uh, influence, but her legacy ultimately is this this really horrific crime that she was convicted of when she was a teenager. So she is definitely, I think, a uh, an unexpectedly complicated figure in the mystery and suspense writing community. But yeah, so anyway, that is my long summary of all of that. So yeah, Kendra, I know you said that you had read one of her books before, but we're not familiar with that. So... There you go. <laughs> yeah, it was it's really wild. I had no idea. And I like like you mentioned, she's super popular. So I always see her at the library or in bookstores. And I've had people recommend her to me. But I had yeah, I had no idea. It kind of reminds me of where the crawdads sing where yep. she's like <laughs> under suspicion for X, Y and Z because she allegedly which we have to say because she hasn't been officially convicted for anything did something to some person on a savannah reservation or something anyway so like i was like oh what's with mystery writers like doing weird things i mean agatha christie disappeared for days and they thought she was dead so i don't know yeah and the um and the author uh who wrote uh the woman in the window of course my name is blanking uh, on his name but that that came out yeah. that he was that there that there was some there was some sketchy stuff going on with that too or there was the woman who self-published a book like how to get away with killing someone, and then they found out that she did actually kill someone. I'm well, like, way okay. to telling yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, we we got to figure. Yeah, let's. <laughs> at some point, it becomes a little too on the nose, but <laughs> but yeah. So the, she's probably one one of the most 
I don't have a good word for, I was trying to come up with a word and then my brain just blanked on me, but probably, probably this is, this is one of the, a case of like one of the biggest, basically there was a movie made about it, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And yeah, so this, this, you know, like I said, became a huge part of her story and, you know, ended up following her around, you know, essentially all of her life. So yeah, really, yeah, really, really shocking. Shocking and and fascinating at the at the same time, but um, but yeah. So if you were an Ann, an Ann Perry fan and did not know that, I'm very sorry to have dropped that on you. But yeah, um, you'll you'll find it mentioned in I think most of the obituaries that have been written about her. But yeah, so I, I imagine this is still something people will be talking about for a while. I think so. I think so for sure. But yeah, well, I mean, I. I guess that's our news segment. And as always, if you have news, dear listener, that you'd like to share with us, please feel free. Our email slash other contact info will be in the show notes, but we'd love to hear more news if you'd like to share. Yeah, it can be it can be hard to keep up with stuff that's not like the big glaring news items that come out. So it is. And we read book stuff and book news all day, every day. So I feel like that's <laughs> that's a sign how much book news is out there. Because I don't know about you, but I get so many news emails every day. Can't keep up. Can't keep up. I mean, I do my best with my with my book riot newsletter, but it, even still, I'm I'm just there's inevitably something like my husband will send me something. Did you see this? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I didn't. All right, well, that's going in the newsletter. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, let's let's jump ahead into the main topic for this episode, which is young adult mysteries, which we will do periodically. And since you said that you and Liberty talked about middle grade mysteries about a month ago, yeah, we thought that this would be a good topic to pick up. And especially since we don't typically gravitate towards young adult books. So for me, I mean, there are, I am broadly aware of a number of mystery authors that write for young adults, but I don't typically read them as part of my regular, just, you know, if I'm going to go pick a book off the shelf, it's usually not young adult. I mean, do you, do you gravitate towards young adult at all or? No, not, not for a long time. I remember I used to read a lot more YA in my mid to early twenties, but I feel like I made that like natural shift to more adult fiction. But when I do read YA now, I usually listen via audiobook because I'm looking for something that's a little bit faster, a little bit more drama. And I don't know, it's been really interesting. But I will say there is an exception. I will pick up specific young adult authors like Elizabeth Acevedo, Angeline Bully, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Like there are ones that I will pre-order because I love their young adult books so much. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, I feel like I, well, I I was reading, like, adult books when I was, like, 12. Like, I, I read Jurassic Park in middle school. Like, that that's kind of, and then I jumped to Stephen King at 14. So, My like, goodness. I feel like I didn't have much of a middle grade period growing up. Um, I did a little bit as an older teen. And then when I was in my early to mid-20s was when, like, The Hunger Games was really big. Um, or like when the movies were coming out, so I read the books and stuff. But I feel like as I've gotten older, and like I've read young adult stuff for work or for my grad school classes, and I've just been like, some, especially some of the more recent books, just absolutely blown away by by how 
good they are. And I don't mean that I am expecting them to not be good, but there is like some of the most intense books I've read have been have been young adult like Tiffany D Jackson oh my gosh I've read 3 of her books at this point all within the span of like the last 3 years and at this point I'm like I will read just about anything she puts down her all 3 of her books have just been gut punches and I'm sad that I am not getting these books when I was a teenager and I'm like, oh, I really missed a golden age of of young adult literature. And I'm finding that with like one of the books that I'm going to be talking about in a bit is just is so good. And I and I'm just like sad that I have that it's not part of my usual reading repertoire. And obviously I can I can change that however however I'd like, but it's there's some really amazing young adult literature being being written. I mean in all genres, but mystery and suspense, like they're taking the gloves off and really punching. I mean, not that they necessarily had gloves on before, but yeah, they they are these books are really, really, really fantastic. And I feel like I've blabbered on for long enough at this point. Why don't you Go ahead and, t- and tell us all about Angeline Booley, actually, since I see that's your first pick. Yes. So I wanted to choose this book partially because I loved it, but also for anyone who wants to prep for her new book that is coming out here in a few weeks. And I'll um, talk about that here in a second. But her first book is Firekeeper's Daughter, and it is um, set near a Ojibwe reservation and so that would be in the upper Midwest. And so Donis is our main character. She is biracial. Her her dad is Ojibwe and her mom is white. And her mom came from a very prestigious family in their town. So when her mom became pregnant before, you know, at a very young age, her grandparents, her white grandparents were not very happy. And then... There was like a split between the two of them. And so Adonis actually has a half-brother very close in age because her dad got with an Ojibwe woman and had a son and they had a son together. But her dad died very shortly after, I believe when Donis's mom was still pregnant with her. So she has a grown up without a dad, but she's very close to her half-brother. And she's very close to obviously her Ojibwe family. Now, when Donis is on the reservation with some of her friends, She watches as her best friend's boyfriend kills her best friend and then dies by suicide. And so she ends up in this investigation where the FBI is looking into somehow how drugs are getting onto the reservation and she becomes part of that. What's very interesting about this book is it is an older young adult book. She's about to head into college. So there are depictions of sexual assault, but there's also a more of a deep dive into laws around the reservation. Now, every Native nation has different laws regarding reservations, etc. But what she does is like look at those and how those interact with each other, how the FBI is really struggling to figure out how to hold this investigation when there are laws around what they can do as as there should be. But like it's a very complicated um, legal situation, which I was not expecting to be so well explained. I guess just say, I should rephrase that. I didn't expect it to be in a YA novel because it's very complicated, but Angeline Bully does a great job of describing all of these little intricate details. So this is definitely like a, almost like a, I mean, she's not a police officer, but it's, she kind of, without any spoilers, she gets to know 
the FBI a little bit. And so it's a very fascinating mystery. I had no idea what would happen. I had no idea who was behind a lot of the stuff going on. And I just think it was just such a well-written book. And I can't believe this was her debut. Like, it was so good. Did you read this book as well? I haven't, but I think every co-host I've had on this show has read it and loved it. And it just, it shows up on like every relevant young adult reading list. So at some point, inevitably, I feel like I'm going to pick it up just because at some point, someone in my life is just going to be like, why haven't you read this yet? <laughs> and then I'll have no choice. But everyone else has who's read it has just absolutely raved about it for a lot of the same reasons that, that you have, especially like you said, like, just cannot believe this was a debut novel. Yes. And now another book set in the same like town. It's actually I don't want to say who it is, because that would give up maybe a spoiler for for Donna's story, perhaps. Um, I always like to be err on the side of caution in that regard. But anyway, so someone from Donna's family is the focus of the next book. And I haven't even read like what this book is about, because I'm so like, I don't want to have any spoilers. It's a mystery novel, but it features someone that was like a side character in Donna's story. So I'm so excited for this next book. Right now, it's scheduled to come out on May 2nd. And that is the day after my birthday. So happy birthday to me. There you go. That's the best part. (laughs) I'll have to go do that. But yeah, definitely check out Firekeeper's Daughter and Warrior Girl on Earth, which I will link both of them in the show notes, both by Angeline Bully. All right. Well, before I jump into my first pick, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our second sponsor. All right. So for my first pick, I did as I often do and picked a book that definitely veers into the horror genre. I can't help myself. (laughs) But this book is super interesting. And it's a really interesting take on the haunted house story. So the book is She is a Haunting by Trang Tan Tran. And this uh, takes place in Vietnam. And uh, Jade Wen arrives in Vietnam for the summer. She and her younger sister are going to spend about a month, month and a half with their father who separated from their mother a few years ago. And Jade has a lot of like pent up resentment towards him because of that and for other reasons. But she reached out to him recently because she is about to graduate from or she I think she just has graduated from high school. And she's about to start college. Um, But her mom doesn't know or she's told her mom that she's earned a full scholarship. Uh, but she doesn't tell her mom that that is actually a lie and because she doesn't want her mom to take on extra work to pay for Jade's school. And Jade gets in contact with her father, who basically says, okay, if you come here, to, if you come out to Vietnam and you stay with me for a few weeks and help me renovate this house, um, it's this old house from the 20s that he's renovating to be like, a bed and breakfast, um, or, you know, just a kind of a resort, uh, renovated resort place. He was like, okay, if you come help me renovate this, I will pay for your first year of school. And so Jade is like, okay, she's trying to swallow her resentment. And so she and her sister, um, she and her sister and her mom and their younger brother, they all travel out to Vietnam. Her mom and her brother They are visiting with her mom's side of the family, Jade and her 
sister Lily are with her father. And right away, Jade realizes that there's something weird going on with this house. It's the writing in this book is very, is very surreal. And so like the, like Jade, you're kind of going through and you're kind of reading the story and being like, okay, what's, what's real? What's not? What is she actually experiencing? Um, Cause like from the first night, Jade experiences sleep paralysis. She hears noises in the walls. She's finding odd insects all around the house. Um, she is finding traces of her family's ancestors around the house. Cause her, her father's grandmother or great grandmother, lived in that house and actually served the white French couple that lived there during the 20s, 30s, 40s and into and into the 50s. So there's there's a lot of complicated history there. Um and she she also encounters these apparitions while she's in the middle of these um sleep paralysis episodes and one of them is a young woman dressed in like a bridal outfit, a, a traditional bridal outfit, and she leaves her this cryptic warning of "Don't eat." And and I'm just like, oh, that's my that's like my favorite worst kind of creepy of like if there's something like with food or something, I'm just like, oh, oh, it's it's it, ugh, I love it. Um, but uh, neither Jade's father nor her sister actually believe that there's something going on in the house. They won't listen to Jade. And she's like, no, this isn't right. Like, what's going on? So she enlists the help of this girl who is uh, spending time at the house. Her father works with Jade's father. And the two of them stage a haunting to try and get her family to to uh, pay attention to the real haunting that's happening. So I'm like, okay, yeah, there's no no possible way this will this will end poorly. And yeah, so I'm just I'm gonna leave the plot synopsis there. But yeah, if you this is a really I think this would be a really good book for people, especially if you are really into haunted house stories and are looking for something different. Something that it's not just, oh, there's something haunting, you know, there's a ghost haunting this house, but really looks at what, you know, the history of the house is and, you know, what the history is in context with the whole area. And it really brings in that, uh, you know, the themes of like colonialism and just the the uneasy history that that area of Vietnam had before it was uh, before it was occupied by white Europeans and yeah, it's just, it's really fascinating. It's a really interesting perspective on this horror trope. And yeah, it's it's creepy, but it's also not the kind of book where I'm like, if you think you're on the fence about it, but you're not sure how you do with horror, give it a try. It is a slow burn type of a read. It's, I think it's the kind of slow creepy that a lot of readers would be able to would be able to work with like I don't think it's so intense that you have to be like no 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 I'm not touching that but yeah it's a it's a very different type of horror novel than I than I typically read but yeah for that it's just it's so interesting and the cover is fantastic like you've probably you've probably seen this cover if you if you've been keeping up on new books over the last year or two you've seen this cover and it's just oh it's so it's so good well, yeah, I was about to ask if you would if you had read this one. I'm like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. Not, uh, mentioned that you hadn't that you don't usually read young adult novels, but have you heard have you heard anything about this book? I feel like it both has gotten attention and also has like really slipped under the radar. I don't think I have 
I, no, I haven't read this one. I just looked at the cover just to double check. I remember seeing this cover though, and it made it to the rounds for sure. Like it is a gorgeous cover. So I'm glad you were talking about it. Yeah, and and there's a case of I think you can yeah judge the book by its cover and pick it up. But again, that is called "She Is a Haunting" by Trang Tan Tran. And my second pick is. I want to really talk about the audiobook version of this, and this is Sadie by Courtney Summers. Now, before the pandemic, when my spouse and I did more road trips, especially during the holidays, we always pick an audiobook to listen to together. And we always try to pick something that's fast-paced, really plot-driven, because, you know, you want to stay awake when you're driving eight hours or whatever it is. Um, so we chose this audiobook, and I chose the audiobook specifically to talk about because this is sort of like, I mean, it's based around a podcast. So there's this podcast talking about the disappearance of, of Sadie. And so you don't really know what's going on, but then we switch to the past to Sadie's perspective. And so we get to know her through the podcast version of what happened to Sadie, which we still don't know, and we also Sadie's perspective. So Sadie um, is living with her sister, and her sister is just the light of her life, but then her sister Maddie is found dead. And this really obviously is soul-crushing to Sadie, so she decides that she is going to find out what happened to her sister and kind of like seek justice. So she goes on this road trip, and so as she goes on it, we see from her perspective, and then I'll swap back to the podcast where this guy is trying to figure out what on her, what on earth happened to Sadie. So he will like follow up at these locations that we see Sadie in, like, so like a diner or like this one barn, like club bar situation. And it's really fascinating the way it's produced because it, the podcast sections are produced like it's a podcast. So I feel like it's a wonderfully fast like plot driven story that is perfect for road trips or, you know, journeys on the plane or whatever it is you have going on, because it'll really keep your attention. You know, this book is one that I've, I think I've mentioned before that I have started the audiobook. So I know like exactly what you're talking about. Like the audiobook is really well suited for this. And I was in the middle of just a horrible reading slump. And I didn't get past like the first third of the book, not because it was a bad book at all. It just, I like, I wasn't vibing with anything. And one of my coworkers who doesn't usually read mysteries and she mentioned Sadie and I was like, oh yeah, I started reading it and I never finished it. She's like, what do you mean you didn't finish reading Sadie? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a terrible reader person. Which is, which is to say that this, I put this back on my TBR and we'll be getting to it at some <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really was like a breakout book for Courtney Summers. And everyone was talking about it back in 2018 when it first came out. And I just looked and we listened to it actually like three months or so after the book came out. So really early on. And it was really interesting to, I always think back like how how long before the pandemic. So that was a year before the last Christmas, before the pandemic started. And I just, I don't know, there's something about the books before the pandemic that they hit different now that you think about them post-pandemic. I don't know what it is. So this is one of those books that kind of throws my brain into a tailspin. But I really love the way that the audiobook was produced. And it was leaning, really leaning into like the post-serial, mm -hmm. you know, market there. So if you love serial, this is for you. If you haven't even heard of serial, where have you been? Please go listen to it. Definitely for podcast lovers, true crime. If you're following that 
a um, whole series of the murder situation down in um, Bluffton, Beaufort area. Uh, <laughs> this is another place that you go after that. But um, that is Sadie by Courtney Summers. All right. So my second pick, I am going to limit my description of what happens. Um, if you read, if you go like on Goodreads and read the blurb, you'll get more information. But I think keeping it vague is the way to go. So just as a heads up. But anyway, I picked up for my second pick, The Getaway by Lamar Giles. And first off, if we want to talk about covers, like as soon as I saw this cover, I think it came out. Oh, gosh, was it? Yeah, it was like last fall. I saw this cover and I'm like, I need to read that. And if you see the cover, you'll understand why. You're like, yeah, that's a Katie cover. This is a... No, it's not It's not post-apocalyptic, but it takes place in a near future where there's there's a lot more un, like outright unrest that's happening than what we are currently experiencing. There are food shortages. There are major... Uh, more major climate issues. It's basically, it feels like an inevitable progression of where we are heading towards this point. And normally I don't read books like this um, because it's a little scary for me. So just as a heads up, you know, keep that in mind. And they also, just a really quick note, the characters keep, or like they indicate, the best way they indicate like what time frame this is, is they talk about playing on their PlayStation 6. And I just felt like my heart just got stabbed a little bit. I'm like, that's not that far away. <laughs> I don't know when the PlayStation 6 is coming out, but it's probably going to be pretty soon. Anyway, um, so you, uh, Jay is the main character, and he is living at Karloff Country, which is very, very clearly a fictional, a fictional version of Disney World that is located in Virginia. And he and his family work at the at the park, at the resort, and they live on site. They have like park currency that they use to purchase stuff. And it's like if you know kind of how Disney World operates and the history of it, you're like, oh, yeah, like not even trying to be subtle about it. This is Disney World. And so he has friends that all live on the property in this really, really nice neighborhood that they're really secluded from everything outside of the outside of the park. And one of his friends is the daughter or the granddaughter of the heir to the Karloff country fortune. And so that creates some interesting tensions um, because the family is white, but the daughter is the daughter is black. And there are some in very uh, interesting uh, racial and social uh, tensions going on here. But basically, they're living in kind of this very, it's, it's kind of this utopia that Jay and his, his friends are experiencing working at the park, all of that stuff. And while they at first they think they're kind of protected from what's happening on the outside, like they're not as affected by, you know, food shortages and supply shortages and stuff like that. But then things start happening and people kind of like in his circle and his friends, people just kind of start disappearing, like without a trace and no one will acknowledge what's happening. So um, if it's it's got a very kind of a not like a plot similarity to Stepford Wives, but there's a very Stepford Wife kind of like if creepy stories about like homeowners associations are your jam like this will probably fit in there. But yeah, so that's where I'll leave off. Like, weird things start happening. And yeah, if you want to know more, you can read the plot summary. I think it operates better if you don't, but you can read it if you if you want to. But yeah, I really, 
like this book. The audiobook is really good. The narr- the narration just has a really easy flow to it. I found myself really really sinking into the story. It's funny, it's fast-paced, and like I said, near future stuff about like societal issues and climate issues. Like usually I keep that at arm's length because it is hashtag too real. But this book is really, really, really interesting. And yeah, really fast paced read with a lot of stuff to say about different, um, about different issues very much happening um, at the forefront of society nowadays. And I will just leave it there. It's The Getaway by Lamar Giles. And also since we're on the subject of covers, like I said, awesome. (laughs) Well, those are our four picks. And Lord knows that we have only covered just (laughs) the tip of the YA iceberg. So if YA mysteries happen to be your jam, and you want to give us recommendations, please let us know, because we're not as well versed in it. And we would love to hear suggestions from other people. Yes, definitely. For sure. So I guess now it's time for new books. Yes, and I will let you go first because unintentionally we both picked the same book that we wanted to talk about. So, <laughs> yes, we uh, we did. So the book that I saw uh, while doing my nonfiction newsletter writing, I found "Searching for Savannah: The Murder of One Native American Woman and the Violence Against Many" by Mona Gable. Um, Mona Gable is of Indigenous descent. Her grandmother was. Uh, an enrolled member of the Chickasaw Nation of Oklahoma. And so while she was researching into her grandmother's culture, she kind of found this story of Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. And in 2017, um, this indigenous woman vanished. And then a few days, a few days, a week after or so, the police arrested a white couple who were living upstairs above Savannah, and they actually had Savannah's baby. And so they're like, okay, well, we found Savannah's child. Where is Savannah? And so what the author does is she delves into the story of Savannah, but also discusses the horrific problem in the United States and Canada of missing murdered indigenous women and two-spirit people. And so she really like goes into that and the problem that it is. I feel like a lot of different media outlets are now covering um, the MMIW movement a little bit more. You saw the Alaska Daily. There's a great show that looked at a missing um, Alaska Native woman. Yeah, so I've been crossing my fingers that this does really well. I'm interested to see reviews. So if you read this book, definitely let us know because... My TBR is very tall, and I would love to know more about books I'm interested in. So that is my pick, Searching for Savannah by Mona Gable. Yes. And so, yeah, that was initially my first pick. And then I saw that uh, Kendra had pasted that into our show notes document first. So I'm like, she can have it. Um, So I actually picked a fictional Native story, um, which I think sounded super interesting. Again, also very much in brand, very much a horror thriller crossover. But it is also about the epidemic, really, of women that are that mysteriously go missing uh, from their tribes or reservations. And so the main character is Anna Horn. And she is, there's always, you know, there's always some problem, trouble, strife, demon <laughs> that is following her. Um, like, literally, there is a nameless disembodied entity that is following her. Um, that's part of her tribe's ancient myths. And so, yeah, like, when I say demon, I mean literal demon. 
And Anna realizes that there are a lot of strange things happening around the casino on her reservation. But she starts to realize that there's some newer trouble as well. And they're starting to see a lot of young girls and young women go missing um, from the area. And so they are like the the reservation and the tribe are stri- trying to find answers without much support. But uh, Anna's also struggling with her own place on the reservation and trying to figure out, you know, what is going on with her, basically. And then tragedy hits close to home. It's her own sister that goes missing. And so Anna becomes more deeply in, deeply involved with the situation. So, yeah, it's part thriller. It's part mythological horror. And really sounds like it's in line with, you know, if you're a fan of, I mean, it's an obvious uh, comparison to make, but Stephen Graham Jones, like, it really, really sounds very much up that alley and really combining the contemporary, you know, contemporary writing and contemporary stories with ancient tradition and Native and Indigenous traditions. And it just sounds so interesting. And it's, I was going to say, it didn't intend to pick a theme for new releases this episode, but there you go. And again, that is called Sisters of the Lost Nation by Nick Medina. And that is out on April 18th. So by the time you listen to this, this book will be out in stores. And Nick Medina is from Chicago. So. Well, there you go. I didn't, you know, I think I might have known that actually, <laughs> deep in the back of my head. Well, now I know that for sure. Chicago representation. What, what? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like, I was Googling because as I do, because I wasn't doing that when you're recommending a book. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is cool. So um, I'm going to add that to my, my TBR. I feel like indigenous horror is really like on the rise, which is, which is fabulous. I love, we love to see it. So yes, uh, well, that is our show. Uh, we have so many great books that we've mentioned. Again, all of those will be linked in our show notes. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. And of course, as always, many thanks to Jen Zink for removing all of the corgi tippity taps and all of the allergy sounds, shall we say. We greatly appreciate it. She always does an incredible job. For our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. And for even more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out all of Book Riot's podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or you can just search Book Riot in your podcatcher of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at kt underscore library lady. As always, they sound similar, so they will be linked in the show notes. And that was not intentional. It was not. (laughs) And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.